Hello and good evening to Library Staff Love Learning Twitter Spaces this evening with me and my co-host Ruth Maloney. Um, we're going to be tonight be talking about um, uh, non-fiction collections. Do we need them in school libraries? So I hope it's going to be a really interesting chat tonight with, um, hopefully when they come on, um, Jenny and Daryl Turian. So while I'm waiting for everybody to join us, um, I'm just going to say hello to Ruth. How are you doing? Yeah, all good. All good. Uh, very, very busy day. Slightly shell-shocked. I've been assessing year nine group assessments all day. So I will do my best to be with you. But I feel as though I'm still at, stuck at half past nine in the morning waiting for my normal day to start. <laughs> Yeah, I know the feeling. I know the feeling. I've had, I've got a few uh, training sessions coming up, and I'm trying desperately to to get them finished before I actually start presenting, which is not a good place to be, is it? <laughs> um, but it, they will be ready when they need to be. I'm sure they yeah. will. I'm sure nobody will notice any difference, Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's lovely to see everybody here this evening. Um, we do actually. I do need to send. Uh, let me just invite. Uh, see if I can find. Sorry, just let me invite Tarot because he might. There you go. Let's just make sure he arrives. That would be handy. Um. So so last week, uh, Ruth and I got together and decided to put um a a list together of the kind of topics that we would like to talk about. Um, lovely, I can see um, Daryl is online. Daryl, would you just like to request to speak and then that allows you to be um, a speaker. Um, we'll approve you. Um, until you do that, you can't talk. All right, so while, while Daryl's trying to work that one out, um, uh, so Ruth and I were discussing topics and uh, this non-fiction um, uh, idea came up. And it's funny because over the years, my own personal um thoughts about non-fiction in school libraries has changed over the years so um i categorically say that we definitely need a non-fiction collection um in the past i have begun to think that maybe a non-fiction collection needs to change slightly in a school library because um we have online resources Many non-fiction collections sit on the shelves and very rarely get used. Um, so, you know, my my thoughts and, and ideas of, of what I think and feel about a non-fiction collection is still open to change. Um, we do have Daryl and Jenny online this evening, um, hopefully going to give you a, um, a very clear um uh, idea of what they believe and that what they think um can i just bring in ruth again um what what do you think about what what does your non-fiction collection look like in school at the moment um ours has very much um moved along the lines that you're talking about really uh, when i joined the school there was a lot of non-fiction i've done a huge weed because books published in 1990 about racism or drugs or skin problems are not really likely to go off the shelves um, 
And I found that when I was looking and thinking about what I wanted to replace those with, there seems to me that there has been a shift. There's a shift in publishing, I think, but there's also a shift in need. And I didn't replace a lot of the sorts of, you know, thin hardback books that were published by people like Raintree about um, the rivers of the world or, um, I don't know, what I would think of as um, early secondary years reference books because they're simply not used. We are, I think, much better to teach our students to use the internet well to find those, those sorts of pieces of information. Um, and so our collection has changed. And we have now more of what I would think of as reading for pleasure nonfiction. Um, and I'd be interested to see whether other people have gone that way. We also, we do have, of course, uh, books that complement the curriculum, but not very many of those at that lower end of the school. They tend to be more for, uh, appropriate for the sitcom where the content is slightly uh, higher level academically. Absolutely. So I think what I think is really interesting is because books can sit on library shelves if they're not promoted or used um, they can sit on library shelves if they're old and out of date. Um, but I wonder if, you know, if you we buy online resources, I wonder if, you know, again, they don't get used unless we promote them. So there is a fine balance, isn't there, between between what we think we should be promoting and how we promote them and, and um, what actually happens. So... I'm going to, firstly, I need to say that if anybody would like to join in the conversation this evening, you just have to request to speak. Um, I will then invite you in and and um, if you put your hand up, there's a little hand icon, um, which is near the heart icon at the bottom of your screen, allows you to, to um, uh, say you'd like to speak. So that's the way that this works. If any of us are saying anything that you really love and find very interesting, which I'm sure lots of you will, please use the heart um, icon so that we can see that even if you're not talking you are interacting with us um, it just lets us know that you're here so um, I'd like to invite Daryl to come in and and talk to us about what he thinks or, or Jenny whichever they're both on the same phone I'm assuming um, just just introduce yourselves or yourselves and um, uh, let us know what you currently think about non-fiction in school libraries thanks Daryl uh can you hear us? We can. Yeah. Hi there. Yes. Good evening, everybody. Good evening. Um, so if, if I just broadly sketch out our position, then we're very happy to take um, questions and explore what we've said a little bit further. But um, we, we currently have a 50-50 split between nonfiction and fiction. But we're aiming um, for a cl closer to a 70% um, nonfiction and a 30% fiction split. And the reason for that is that um, the school library exists to serve um, an educational and a moral purpose. And from our perspective, the educational purpose is primary. Um, and then the library program and the school's educational program 
ought to be uh, interdependent and inseparable. So again, from our perspective, inquiry enables the library to achieve both the educational and the moral purpose. And I think that's why the IFLA School Library Guidelines um, so from the perspective of the IFLA School Library Guidelines, um, the collection serves, primarily serves the purpose of supporting formal and informal inquiry, which is learning from information, and that is reflected in the instructional activities of the library program, and that includes recreational reading. So I think from our perspective, broadly, um, recreational reading, which is, is, is primarily fiction, um, supports formal and informal inquiry. And the primary purpose of the collection is to support inquiry, which is learning from information, which is why we're aiming for a 70, 30% split. Okay. That, you're probably... Um... Uh, um, an unusual school in the fact that it's probably going the other way for most schools. So how how would you say that you're going to go about making sure that the 70% of books on your shelves is that, are actually going to be used rather than what's happened in the past is sat, you know, waiting for for children to to pick them up? If you have, if you have, I'm assuming that a lot of it is going to link to curriculum topics um is this engaging the teachers is this engaging the students how do you get those books into children's hands that actually you know they actually want to use them so again um from my perspective i'll so i'll just wait for jenny to chip in at any point um but again from my perspective um if, if we genuinely do understand and are working towards um, the place where the library program, so the library program consists of those five um, instructional activities that are outlined in the uh, IFLA School Library Guidelines, if, that, if the library program is interdependent and inseparable, um, from the, the school's educational program, then the, the whole point is that um, we are developing a map, a curriculum map of what is taught when. And over time, what we're doing is building a collection that um, supports the curriculum, but also extends the curriculum. And I think there are there are several things there because I think you're right. If you don't have a, a relationship with the teachers and you're not promoting and encouraging the use of the books, then your your books can represent the the curriculum as much as you like, but the children won't necessarily find them and use them. So it is about um, working with the teachers, designing inquiries with the teachers, and designing opportunities within those inquiries that you're actually pushing the children towards books as well as online and you're making it a part of your inquiry that you're using both because I think you're right that Ruth's right that um, publishing has changed and some of the um, 
the non the sort of rain tree Heinemann type nonfiction isn't perhaps as available and as used as it was before. But if we don't use nonfiction lower down, by the time they get to the sixth form and they're they're looking at interacting with the more sophisticated nonfiction, then they find it challenging. And we we've had sixth formers who don't really know how to use a contents list or an index because they've not encountered it lower down. So it's it's making those opportunities. Yeah, can I, I would agree. Go on, go on Ruth. Um, can I ask what you are buying for those lower years? If you're, you know, because I entirely agree, I've got kids now who have no idea how to tackle reading a non-fiction book. They want to start at the beginning, work their way through and read to the end, um, mm. and they pick up five of these things and can't get there. What are you buying that fills in those gaps at the bottom which is still relevant and, and you combine enough quantity for a class or a year group of students so um from my perspective i think there are two two issues there um the first one is that we we do need to find creative ways to support inquiry for an entire class using um, a limited number of titles. So there, there, there are ways around that. Um, and I don't think what we're, what we're necessarily saying is that um, any in, um, so any work with students around information is exclusively books. So it's a combination of trying very hard to find useful titles in print and then finding um, creative ways to make those titles available to an entire class or possibly even an entire year group, while at the same time also supplementing that where necessary and appropriate with online resources. Yeah, it, it's Sorry, interesting, isn't it? Because I think, go on, do you want to go, Ruth? <laughs> okay, no, I'll keep, I'll keep going. I think it is really interesting, isn't it? Because I think the, I, yeah. I think Ruth mentioned, didn't she, that the, <clears throat> that being able to buy nonfiction for that lower age is really difficult. I think you can quite easily buy um, primary school resources, but it's that real, real, difficulty of buying resources that are suitable for year seven eight and nine that aren't too young but aren't again that that too old i i think you've probably got um more of a a balance in a book i suppose for the for your being able to access and negotiate uh age appropriate resources which is what's good about a book easier than than finding whatever it is on, on the internet um, and, and not as expensive as, as buying online resources. But I think what you're saying, Daryl is in, and Jenny, that, that, that it, it's not exclusive, but it is an important part of, of your school library that, that your nonfiction collection is, is part of the education setting rather than a, an extended reading for pleasure. Is that right? Yes. And and also I think the the other thing the other thing that is important to remember there um, 
so again, our perspective is very much from fossil as a um, model of the inquiry learning process, which is learning from information through reading. Um, but also the underlying framework of skills. So if our concern is with developing skills that enable students to learn from reading both um, nonfiction and fiction, um, we don't necessarily have to have, uh, we don't necessarily have to pr um, satisfy all of the informational need through books. We can use books or parts of books to teach certain skills and to supplement that with um, online uh, uh, online information. So I think we, we, we need to have a, a very clear idea that we are developing the ability of students to learn from information through reading and with a, a, a clear idea of what skills we're trying to develop in each stage of that process and age-appropriate skills for each year in school, um, how we maybe strike the best compromise between um, print nonfiction and online nonfiction. And sorry, and I think Ruth also had an important point about the recreational nonfiction because it is it's a really important part of the collection, and I think even more so where we are now than where we were before. Um, the non-fiction collection sees a lot of use from children who just want something interesting to read and are excited to be reading about something that they're studying. Yeah, informal inquiry. Yeah. Absolutely. Can I bring can I bring Ruth back in? Yeah, I'm just wondering whether um, there's a, an argument almost for choosing the book and then working working the uh, inquiry around that for me because we are I know that I'm going to struggle you know if, if I'm thinking now okay Daryl and Jenny are right I need to almost fill in those gaps in our collection um, I have a real difficulty with age-appropriate text that it's got to challenge and it's got to it's got to push their skills because mm. they are those kinds of students and the average non-fiction school based text isn't going to do that for them they're going to look at it and think mm, no thanks and they're going to switch off immediately so I, I almost need to go at it the other way around I think I almost need to find the text a text which I think would be useful and see how I can fit that into the curriculum yes Good. <laughs> um, I mean, an, an example of that from our perspective, but in our previous school, um, we, we had an opportunity to work with the um, religious studies department. Um, and one of the topics that they were um, wanting to develop an inquiry around um, related to 9-11 and it took um, quite a long time and actually cost quite a lot of money in order to track down um, 
some really excellent books on 9-11 that had passed out of circulation. So a lot of that stuff was bought secondhand um, in order to build um, a a collection within the collection on 9-11 that then actually very, very, very effectively supported um, a substantial inquiry into um, religious justification for 9-11 as well as the response against that. Um, and that lasted for a good number of years around those books that we'd sourced specifically for that inquiry. I think that's really interesting, actually, because um, it's it brought to mind the fact that um, you know, if you do buy for a curriculum topic, there is a chance that the curriculum is going to change. So you maybe have bought a lot of books that are related to something very specific and, and then it changes. Now, library budgets aren't big enough to generally do that. Um, so, so you have to be relatively sure, presumably, for something like the 9-11 project, that it was going to last for a few years because because otherwise you're you know you can't afford the budget to keep changing every time a, t- a topic changes how do you think you manage that um so uh, i think under normal circumstances it's not in a department's interest to change a curriculum topic unnecessarily so um departments need to Um, develop teaching resources, they need to develop expertise and experience in teaching that topic. Um, So it's not in their interest to change that topic unless they absolutely have to. So I think you can be fairly certain if you have a good working relationship with a department and are developing an inquiry around a certain topic, Um, that that topic is going to be taught um, for a number of years, particularly lower down. So, you know, if you're talking probably year nine and below, um, those topics aren't going to change because an exam specification changes. Um, Those topics are probably more secure than collaborating with colleagues around topics more closely linked to GCSE or A-level exams. Okay, that's interesting to know. Ruth, can I bring you back in? Yeah, I'm just um, thinking about those schools that aren't in a position uh, as lovely as to be able to work so closely with the departments and how they might... um, what they might take from this in order to build their non-fiction collections where they don't have such close links with the curriculum. And obviously most of us are able to see what's being studied, but the danger then is that we fill our shelves with books that reflect the curriculum rather than uh, that support it in that way. Um, And I'm wondering, you know, what we, what our sort of thoughts are for those schools where the library is more isolated apart from try and get in with your departments? Well, I think personally it's about building relationships with staff. Um, But I think that this is probably a great time to invite anybody who is listening 
Um, I can see the SLA are on. Um, if either of you or Kathy or Irene, please come in, you know, request to join in and join the conversation. Um, Sabrina, it's your turn. If you're on your phone, please join in the conversation. Ask a question. Tell us, tell us what your school libraries are like. Um, you know, are they are they um, you know are they fifty fifty? Are they are they um, uh, seventy thirty? Um, would you want your library to be seventy thirty? And if not, then then why not? Um, I'm going to just let SLA in uh, and we'll hopefully find out who this is. Um, Hello. SLA. Hello. 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 Is, is, that, is that Kathy or Irene? Irene. Hi. Yeah, hi Good Irene. evening. Um, <laughs> Thanks for joining Well, us. thank you. Um, really loving listening to this because um, I just hands up, I'm a retired school librarian at the moment. Um but all of the issues that have coming up, I can think of so many projects that I've done over the years of my 30 odd years working in schools that we resource stuff and then they change the curriculum. Um, and I borrowed things from one thing we used to have a school library service. So I would share resources with other schools, go foraging for different projects, but trying to work so work closely with the teaching staff that want to get over particular skills is, as I, your speaker was saying, one of the key things. And working with the humanities department was one way because they were always things that would keep coming through. And the humanities I found was easier. Um, but budget, again, you've hit on that one. So tricky to manage our school budgets um, and keep reflecting that. Um, one of the things that uh, did come up was the fact that the teachers are under such pressure to teach quickly and get through their classes. They don't always want to spend the time. We have to teach the teachers how to use the libraries and how to you know, show how important it is for this um, informal and formal inquiry using books, because otherwise they just set the tasks to do it the easier way which is going to be online so that's what i would want you know to, to raise here so i will uh, absolutely i mean thank you so much for joining in and i totally agree without doubt it's it's time to teach the teachers you've you've not you've you know hit the nail on the head they they need to be taught they need to understand how linking with inquiry how linking with the school library and the librarian is going to make a difference to their curriculum, to their teaching and to their, and more important to their students. Um, I'm going to bring, I just want to bring Sabrina back in. Um, Sabrina, um, and then I'll bring uh, Daryl back in. Sabrina, hello this evening. You're on your phone. Yay, hello. I've got it working. <laughs> <laughs> well done. We've had, a, we've had a few weeks, haven't we, Sabrina, where you've listened in and I've encouraged you to talk, but you've not been on your phone. So yeah. it's lovely. It's lovely that you're here this evening. Thank um, what you. Do you what, what do you think about non-fiction collections and what kind of library do you work in? Um, right, I'm in a secondary, uh, very small library for over a thousand students. Um, and we've got a split of about 60 to 40, uh, 40 being the non-fiction side, which is, I mean, the oldest book I found on there was 1991. So I'm still going through and thinning stuff on there. A lot of it's old. It's curriculum based. It's out of date. It looks grotty. And I'm just pulling off 
all the stuff that is just awful at the moment. And I said to my students, what do you want for your factual books? And they said, well, we don't want this. We don't use this. We don't like this. It's all on the internet. And I go, okay, fair dues. So what do you want? And they want craft stuff. They want hobby stuff. They want fun stuff that they're interested in. And I figured, okay, you know, the teachers don't come in to use these books. The kids are asking me for them. I'm going to get them for them. So that's the plan. Well, I think I think again what you've you're, what you've hit the nail on the head with is the fact that it's our teachers that need training. That if the you know we need our teachers into the school library, don't we, in order for them to engage with the resources in the curriculum. I'm going to bring I'm going to bring Daryl back in. He's had his hand up for a while. Are you um, ju- just two two things in relation to that. Um, I think while on the one hand we are training teachers we also have a responsibility to our students so um, the thing about supporting formal and informal inquiry is that I think we do we do need to be aware that if any student were to walk into the library and to ask whether we have books on certain topics um, regardless of whether that is on the formal curriculum or not, um, that we're actually able to help those students. So if, if our intention is to help children understand the world and themselves in the world, then our collection needs to enable that. Um, and that might require developing the collection um in a sense independently of the taught or the formal curriculum um and then i think i i, I think the um yeah so, so the second thing where, where that then crosses over with the taught curriculum um is if we have a longer term view of developing the curriculum um, because the curriculum, I think, tends to be more stable than it's unstable, we can take a longer-term view to developing a collection that supports the, the taught curriculum while looking for opportunities to develop um, a working relationship with sympathetic colleagues. Um, so there is a sense in which we are dependent on the relationship that we have with our colleagues, but there is also a sense, I think, in which we um, do need to have a bigger, longer-term view um, that serves both our colleagues and our students, even though they may not be aware that they need that. So so let me ask, if, if, so we're, if we're talking about informal inquiry, we're talking about, obviously, the, the stuff that, interests our students that's not curriculum based what would you say that the split in our non-fiction then needs to be between supporting the curriculum and supporting that informal inquiry I would imagine that until you can start engaging the teachers it has to be a more informal collection or does that not make any sense um 
so I think one of the interesting things um, that that we're exploring at the moment is we, we are very fortunate because um, the nonfiction collection is split up into subjects. Um, so we have a pretty good, I mean, we need to decide what level of detail we go down into. Um, but broadly, our nonfiction collection is split up into subjects. And what we ought to be asking ourselves, I think, is that those subjects represent knowledge about the world and about ourselves in the world. So um, if we are using those broad subject categories to ensure that we have um, an interesting mix of nonfiction uh, that covers the age ranges, then I think we're in a position for somebody who is coming in and who is interested in a topic to be likely to find something. And I think it's unlikely that um, that isn't going to overlap with stuff that they might actually be studying in a subject. Because the, the informal inquiry isn't necessarily unrelated. I had a girl in a reading lesson the other day who was reading a biology book. Um, and I mean, it wasn't a it wasn't a textbook type book. It was quite an interesting book about all sorts of different things in flowers and human bodies and whatever. And she was really excited because she said, we were doing reproduction in, um, in science last week and look, it's got all this stuff about how babies develop. And next week we're going to be dissecting flowers and I can read ahead and see what that's all about. So, and that was her recreational reading. So that was informal inquiry because it wasn't something she'd been set to do for homework, but it very much overlapped with, with what she was doing in class. Absolutely. It, it's, it, there, there is a, a definite overlap, isn't there? Um, I'm going to bring Irene back in. Can I, what would you like to say? Um, I think that's a good point about reading um, around the subject, um, because we, we actually asked all of the subject leads to give us books to read around their subject to support from key stage three into key stage five. So they, and we try to make that displayed and reflect that. So there would be books that they can pick up in their um, library reading times or private reading times, etc. that we would have those uh, around. That was, that's a really good point. You've got to, but you've got to show them that they're there and you've got to um, not necessarily do a skill. I don't know about doing the skills lesson on them, but um, certainly they need to be able to use them and make them accessible to make the subject far more interesting. And maybe the teachers need to use them in assemblies and, you know, in their classrooms a bit more. So just reflect um, what's out there. We're going to be having a meeting, actually, at Heath's Books um, the first week in June. Um, I've just got to look at the date again because I haven't got it in front of me. Um, and we're going to be asking one of the publishers, one of the main publishers, um, about which books are available for Key Stage 3. What type of, what are they publishing now? Um, so if you've got any questions that come up with that, um, I'd be grateful if you, I think um, Elizabeth could, uh, it's on the Twitter feed, I'll, I'll, you'll be able to see it on there. That's perfect. You know, more questions um, that you'd like to raise and we will raise them with, um, with the publisher 
that'd be fantastic that'd be fantastic i mean i i if, I think once the recording of this session goes out, you could probably put it underneath that and we'll be able to, to pull all the information together. So that'd be great. I'm Thank just going to bring Daryl back in. He seems to have had his hand up for a while. Um, so just to pick up on that point, um, Irene's point, uh, you know, so in that sense, I think our students become our allies and our advocates. So if we have a rich, interesting collection um, that we can get students excited about, um, there's every chance that a student is going to go into the class um, and to say that they've read something absolutely fascinating relating to this topic that they're studying in the class in the library. Um, and in a certain sense, that becomes disruptive in a good way. Um, and it may be those kinds of interactions that then open um, possibilities for collaborating with teaching staff that weren't there before. And I think all of this just highlights the extent to which, um, you know, if we are developing a collection to support formal and informal inquiry and working with students wherever we have an opportunity with them and teachers wherever we have an opportunity with them, Slowly but surely, I think we can begin to change um, the conversation about what education is about and what education is for. Absolutely. Thanks, Daryl. Um, I'm just going to bring Susan in. Um, welcome, Susan. Do you want to just introduce yourself before you start talking? Yes, uh, Susan Merrick. I'm a um, teacher librarian at an international school in Surrey. And I work with um, secondary students. Um, and I've been really interested in this whole question of nonfiction for quite some time. Um, and I, I know that a lot of my colleagues in primary um, who are doing the PYP um, are starting to look at playing around a bit with with Dewey and not necessarily following the Dewey numbers. Um, I imagine we all do this to some extent that um, you'll have books say on the Middle Ages and they'll be scattered across various Dewey numbers and you sort of draw them all into one number, which will make it easier for your students. But I went into Daunt books. I don't know if, how many of you know it. It's in Marlebone High Street in London. And I was just fascinated by the fact that they had the majority of their nonfiction and fiction grouped geographically together, both fiction and nonfiction. And I started thinking about this. And so the first collection that I've, I'm working on right now, doing something similar, is the Second World War. It's not being grouped geographically, but I'm putting nonfiction and fiction together and also DVDs that we have and various other um, types of resources all in a, a mini collection within the collection. And I can't help but think that this might be a way forward. Anyway, just an idea. <laughs> Absolutely fascinating, Susan. It's something that I, I, I wonder whether it's something that you would do on a, you know, as a, as a special collection that you would then separate back out or whether you would 
pull it together and it would always be like that. I don't know. Um, no, I, I don't know either. But I, I think that, I mean, perhaps grouping it around something like history is not all that difficult. But I also yeah. thought we could probably do it around science topics. There are a lot of um, fiction books that relate to, say, biology. Um, I think, it, I don't know, it would be quite interesting for the kids not just to be reading fiction but nonfiction um, on the same topic. Susan, you've got lots of people putting their hands up, so I need to bring in somebody else. Um, S-L-A-N is all I can see at the minute. I'm assuming that that might be Cathy Woods. Is that right? Hey, no, um, my name's Elizabeth Thale. I'm the librarian at Thomas Mills High School. Oh, okay, hi. <laughs> hey, um, I just thought I'd message because, um, yeah, I'm experimenting with dynamic shelving in terms of like our loans. But um, also, I think someone said earlier um, about kind of, you know, including students. And I feel like they're the best people to promote the collections. And um, we've recently, uh, well, I've, I've tra been training this year some um, library assistants and um, they'll go to registration forms um, kind of at the start of the day and they'll kind of talk about new books in the collection and kind of, you know, um, certain subjects and stuff and go around. And I find since doing that, um, the non-fiction loans have increased. So, yeah, I think using the students, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's good that you agree. <laughs> Thank you for joining in this evening. Um, it's it's always useful to hear new voices. Um please come along again soon. Um, Ruth, you've had your hand up for a while. Can I invite you back? Yeah, um, I think that's really interesting what Susan was saying about um, reorganising and, and questioning Dewey and thinking about it. One of the really interesting opportunities we've had this year is to, we have been uh, lucky enough to have the school's membership of the London Library. And for those of you who don't know, the London Library has a eccentric uh, classification system shall we say um, not often very politically correct but really really interesting to consider um, and a really interesting conversations have come up with our students about how the classification of your collection influences your understanding of the subject and the knowledge and all of those things which are fascinating for me fascinating questions to think about um, one of the ways that I think that's that sort of idea is most easily managed is by using the library catalogue. Um, so our subject, each um, uh, we use Access It and what they call visual search. We don't call visual search, but uh, every subject in the school has an area and within that area uh, they are at liberty to or I have helped them to write about uh, collect the books that relate to each unit that they study so um, some departments have seen better at others but those books are always a mixture of fiction and non-fiction on purpose because I want the students to understand that um, there is never a point in their study where one or other doesn't complement uh, can't be complementary. Um, so just because they are in an English lesson doesn't mean they oughtn't to be reading about the history of the period that they're reading in or, you know, not oughtn't to be, but that it might not be useful. Um, and I find the ability to do that on the library catalogue in a very visual way is really helpful. Um, 
it's one of for me one of the best and probably least utilized features of our library cataloging system thanks ruth um now i've seen that i've got still got daryl got his hand up and i can see that julie has got her hand up i'm just going to bring daryl back in and then julie i will let you have your speak thank you daryl what do you want to say um so just to pick up on what what susan originally said and what um pretty much everybody else has picked on picked up since then um i think again for us to take a step back and the purpose of the library, as far as I'm concerned, is to enable students to understand the world and themselves through reading, both nonfiction and fiction. Um, so if, if that is our starting point, then the collection um, represents knowledge. It represents knowledge and experience, um, whether nonfiction or fiction. Um, so the classification system is only helpful and useful insofar as it helps users, so, so, so students and teachers, um, to access knowledge and experience about the world. Um, and if that's what we're getting them excited about, um, it's not the books on the shelves um, it's what the books contain and what the books open up to them um, and invite them into and allow them to become part of, um, then, yeah, we can become quite creative and playful with how we classify, how we arrange, how we organize um, and how we facilitate interaction with that. Absolutely. I think it's, um, you know, we, we, well, those of you that do work in school libraries have a world of opportunities available to you and, and learning from each other is such a huge thing. Um, Julie has been waiting for such a long time. Welcome, Julie. Um, let me introduce, bring you into the group. Hi, I'm Julie. I'm a secondary school librarian in a, a school in Hertfordshire. Um, I just wanted to say that I run a topic with my year sevens that I call Focus on Nonfiction. Um, I do it usually in the spring term and it um, consists of them having to take out at least one nonfiction library book and they then have to produce a poster relating to it. Um, so it's just sort of like it's a fun thing, but for me, it gets them um, to know where the nonfiction books are in the library. I introduce the Dewey system to them. Um, I introduce, like, I go over the um, how a fiction book is different to a nonfiction book. Um, we talk about the different parts of a nonfiction book. Um, and it's just, I just find that I ask them to take out only one book, but I find they take out lots more. And it really does sort of open up the nonfiction section of the library for them. Do you find, Julie, that they ever struggle to find a nonfiction book that they um, want to read? No, I, I, I haven't come across that so far. They usually find one that they're interested in and they, I, they cover, you know, I'm always amazed at, you know, all the different topics that they go for. Because at first I thought they'd all go for like the animal ones or something like that, you know, something, something yeah. quite easy. But no, and sometimes they pick out, you know, maybe books that are more for Key Stage 4, but somebody will go for it, you know, and um, yeah. 
I just think it's it's just I've found that that's I was having hardly any loans for my nonfiction section, and even after the the topics finished, I'm still finding nonfiction books are going out. That's brilliant. And even if it's their reading for pleasure rather than reading for what they are doing in the curriculum, they're still reading them. Absolutely. So that's what we were saying before. I can't remember who said it, but that but that reading around the subject is certainly something yeah. that that school libraries, um, their nonfiction collections are certainly there for that, aren't they? Um, yeah. Thank you very much, Julie. I'm going to bring uh, Irene back in as she's had her hand up for a while. Thanks. Thank you. Um, just going back to when I was librarian at Tolworth Girls in Surbiton, one of the things because I had a some of somewhat aging collection to meet the needs. Um, I wasn't trying to turn them into little mini librarians when they were doing their inquiry to make them use books more. I did use rather a lot of post-it notes, posting on the books what they will find, what's in there. So already, you know, trying to meet the needs of my users where they weren't, yes, to push those that needed pushing, but also to help those that needed more encouragement. Because as someone earlier said, you know, they're coming to us from Key Stage 2, maybe not used as many books as we'd like, and it's, you know, getting worse. Um, so you have to find ways in to get them started, as well as finding great book stock. But sometimes just through the visual, some of the pictures that we've used as part of their topic, um, I'm thinking particularly of Industrial Revolution. So it was a lot of older textbooks um, some second hand, etc. But um, you know, you could make a big fuss about the books and have them ready for them to use. So they don't always have to start to be, you know, to look to the shelves to find these things. You'd be ready as part of um, the lesson. So um, anyway, thank you. That's what I wanted to say. Absolutely, and I would almost agree with you. And it's it's interesting, isn't it, that we that well, I talk as far as I'm concerned. Uh, highly focused on you know helping students learn to find the resources themselves it's a bit like when you're you know wanting them to do and um where they're using online resources and actually we forget that some of our lessons just need to be the books are here in front of you or the resources are here in a in a in a you know somewhere that you can find them easily because actually what we want them to do is access the the book itself or the online resource itself we don't want them to waste 45 minutes trying to find it um and i think you know that as well as putting resources together in a in an easy way for for students to find whether it's the collection the way that it's laid out how you know and whatever they're using the books for I think it's really important that we nurture our students uh, engage with them find out what it is that makes them tick but also be there to support the teachers when they actually need us uh, and, and realize that actually there's more to the library than than they maybe first thought um, I've noticed that it's now 10 to 8. You're so good to have, have stayed with us for so long. Um, I'm going to bring this evening to a close. It's been an absolutely fascinating talking to you all. I just want to ask if there's, if Daryl wants to say one last thing before we close. Um, and if any of the other speakers want to say something, do you want to just raise your hands? Um, but, but round us off, Daryl. What do you, or Jenny? you can <laughs> equally both of you can talk what do you what would you like to say if you're if you're going to promote 
the need for school libraries to have great on uh, um, non-fiction collections what would your what would your parting words be um i think my, my parting words would be that um even though it may be tough and at times i think may seem hopeless i think that the um the model of education that most of us are all too familiar with um that favors teaching over learning um and telling over finding out for yourself um i think that that um model is going to collapse and um so regardless of whether regardless of whether we live to see that or not um i think we have an absolutely critical role to play in laying the foundation laying the groundwork um agitating for um setting in place setting in motion uh those things that our children in particular our students in particular desperately need and that many of our colleagues are yearning for um and that really i would just like to encourage um anybody and everybody who is engaged in that struggle to persevere and i think it's also about having the books that children want to read and i think that's that's what we're all interested in um and something we noticed when we moved to a new school where we've got a um a primary and a secondary together in the same school and when we first moved here we noticed the year 7s um boys and girls were reading quite easily from the fiction and the non-fiction which i wasn't as used to um and when we talked to the primary department they were saying with the library they they often talked to them about get a reading book and something for fun and that something for fun was the non-fiction and actually that attitude to non-fiction that it's fun to read really percolated through to the students and i think it made a real difference thank you so much for those for those um final words you know you you it it is so important that our libraries are are there for our students um and our the books are for our students and non-fiction is fun yes <laughs> what a great way to finish um i just want to give um uh irene the opportunity to come back in because she wants to tell us about um something that's going on on the 14th of june I have the information here, Irene, if you don't. Would you like to to, to tell people about it? Uh, now, you tell us because you'll say I'm, it's Heath Books, um, which is an educational centre, Heath Books there, and we've got quite a few things happening. But the date, I think, is not in front of me at the moment. Okay, okay. <laughs> so so I've, I've got it written down the 14th of June, 4.30 till 6.30, there's a session on that the SLA are running, which is the role and future of nonfiction in school libraries, which which leads 
perfectly on from what we've been talking tonight so if you know when if you want more then check out the sla website yeah um, we're um sla sorry we're at the SLA, sorry branch sorry, sorry. <laughs> you're just well you're there to correct me so, so SLA, sorry. <laughs> thank you no problem thank you for joining us tonight um so so you know if you want more of this we we ruth and i thank you so much ruth for for co-hosting again this evening um we run this twitter spaces chat every two weeks um we are not here in half term. The next one is going to be on the 6th of June and we're going to talk about book awards. Um, a temporary title, Why Are Teenage Books Always So Angsty? <laughs> you may or may not want to join us for that one. Um, uh, if you want to know more about me, I'm Elizabeth Hutchinson. Um, I'm an independent trainer and advisor and you can find me on Elizabeth a hutchinson.com but thank you very much for listening tonight i hope you found it as inspirational and interesting as i did and i hope to see you again in a couple of weeks time enjoy your half terms thanks thank now. you good night good night elizabeth thank you good night thank you thank you bye